this idea here that I'm going to work with over the next few weeks is this, is what can I expect from God? What, what would be some expectations that I would have from God? And I think that that's a, if you will, a reasonable kind of, kind of thing. And I said before, and I, I want to stay with this, I think, if I'm any judge of this, that often uh, some of the real difficult things in life are based on what we might call either unrealistic expectations or uninformed expectations. That this, that this idea that, that I have these expectations and suddenly find out, hey, you know, they're not completely reasonable here. Um, I, I talk with students sometimes, you know, when they when they're going to get married and I, you know, we talk and, and discuss things. And I think, you know, you expect this person you're going to marry to make you happy. That's not going to happen, you know, or, or, or you expect that that you'll never have any problems uh, after that. So. So, yeah, right. Yeah, you just got started. Right. Right. I don't want to be ugly, but 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 that that expectation. I, I know with students that come to Mid-America Christian University, I say to them, lock your room because not everybody here is a follower of Jesus. And they say, well, it says Mid-America Christian University. I said, you think everybody at TCU is a Christian? Do you think everybody at SMU is a Christian? Certainly not all those Methodists, but you know, <laughs> yeah, not Methodists. I mean, you know, please. Uh, uh, OBU, is everybody there a Christian at, at, at Oklahoma Baptist? So, so the, the I, yeah, Bill just said, sure, yeah. Bill went back while the earth was still cooling, though. That's when he was at OBU. The, the, the earth's crust was still cooling when he was there. Um, but, but this idea of expectations, we have them about our relationships. We have them about our jobs. We have them about our families. And certainly... Uh, we have them about our experience, our relationship with God. And I have over the years wanted to just suggest that this could be one of the areas that our expectations have to be at least addressed or looked at as to what some of them are. And I'm not going to deal with them all or we'll be here forever. But um, I want to deal with several and I want to begin sort of, um, if you will, I use those examples because in my mind, which is a scary place to be, um, I want to set the table on this whole, this whole question. I want, I want to set the table on this question about what can I expect from God? Now, when I think of this idea, I want to, I want to set it up. I think of a verse or a passage in the Bible. I ask you if you will, go to your table of contents there, if you have your iPhone or have your phone or whatever, your tablet. But I'm going to be in the book of Matthew here. And we're going to look at Matthew 9, 15, uh, in my Bible, and I actually have talked about this passage before, but it, the more I, I thought about it, the more I worked on it, the more I thought, okay, th this is where I want to sort of start a kind of a jumping off place in this area of expectations. And it's in John, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11. And it's the great story here. Uh, it, it really begins back in chapter 10. Uh, 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 notice here in, in chapter uh, 10, verse 5, these 12, Jesus calls them to be with him, and he sent them out after instructing them. And then it looks like from, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5, to the end of chapter 10 is the instruction, kind of the instructing of them. So at chapter 12, it says, when Jesus 
had finished giving instructions. So he's about to send them out into ministry to the 12 disciples. He departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Verse 2. Now when John, John the Baptist here, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word to, by his disciples to Jesus. And he said to them, now I'm reading out of the American Standard, and it translates this a little bit different than ESV, but it says this, are you the expected one? Now that, in the Greek, it's really, uh, it's a Greek word that means, are you the one who's coming? The one who's coming, Literally. And so New American Standard translates that, the expected one. But the idea, are you, are you the one that's coming that, that we've been hoping for, been, been waiting for? Are you the, or, or do we look for somebody else? Uh, to think about this now, you know, you say, are you the expected one? Well, how long have they been expecting him? Well, it could be, you know, if you thought these people understand uh, the Old Testament or the whole Bible, that they've been expecting him since the Garden of Eden. Because God says to Adam and Eve, of your seed will bruise the head of the serpent from, from Eve. Or it could be that, 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 you know, it's a little less than that, that, that Isaiah in 750 B.C. has been prophesying about there will be a child to be born and the government be on his shoulders and, and uh, the suffering starts. So it could be they've been waiting for 750 years or so. Either way, they've been waiting. And this idea there's somebody who's coming that we're waiting on. That we've been expecting. And so New American Standard takes a little bit of a, a liberty there to say, are you the expected one? Or do we look for somebody else? That's a fascinating thought here. We're going to look at this. Jesus answered and said, and go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf here, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. Now watch this. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now that word there too means to stumble over. Blessed is the person who doesn't stumble over me. In other words, Jesus is the problem here. He's not acting the way John, what? Expected. So I want to unpack this a little bit. I want to look at this. That, 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 that Jesus is not conforming to John's expectations. So let's look at this. So I'm, going to, I'm just going to ask you to consider these three big ideas. Here they are. The conditions that challenge expectations. The conditions that challenge expectations. Now let me say something about John here about this. Uh, this is a fairly remarkable question by this guy and a fairly astounding passage. And it's also recorded in Luke chapter 3 if you want to go see it. So it's not just here in Matthew. It's also in Luke chapter 3. Who is this guy, John the Baptist? Anybody remember him? Guy that started the Baptist church? No. <laughs> Literally in the Greek, it's John the Baptizer, not the Baptist, okay? He's the Baptizer. Who is he? Ant, yeah, he's a little, but tell me something about this guy. What about him? Yeah, so he's the promised forerunner. He's the promised forerunner. This is found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. He's the promised forerunner. 
And this prophecy is fulfilled in Mark chapter 1, verse 2. So he's this promised announcer, forerunner, preacher is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. What else? What else do you know about this guy? Lived in the desert. Yeah. Wore crazy clothes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh? He's a cousin of Jesus, right? So, yeah. He's the. Yeah, we're going to come to that. Yeah, that, listen, to that. he's the one who baptized and identified Jesus. Okay? Think about this, too. There was something. Does that mean? I called somebody one day on my phone in here, and I kept hearing something. I thought, who in the world is making that phone call? Dr. Ben Harvey's on the other side laughing, saying, it's you, Cliff. It's you. It's you. <laughs> so don't, don't be troubled. I've done this. I've done this, okay? Do you remember, do you remember that, that, that it said in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, that John was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb? I don't know anybody else that says that. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven, there is no one born among women greater than John. Nobody. You know, it, it, this is kind of interesting when you think about who this guy is. He's cousin of Jesus. You know, he was the preparer of the way. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from his womb. Jesus said, there is nobody that's ever been born of women that's greater than him. But here's this guy. Not sure what's going on. And I want to suggest to you, it's because conditions challenge expectations. You know, um, all of us, I think, are old enough or learning enough that uh, sometimes the condition we find ourselves in, we think life's going to be this way and it turns out this way. Here's what I want to ask you to consider with me. Look, look at where, where is John now? Look, look, where is he? He's in prison. Now, now he has, if you will, uh, been, been imprisoned by Herod Antipas, who is the son of Herod the Great. And he's in jail for his righteous preaching to God, of God to Herod and to the whole world. He's, he's in jail because he's done the right thing. Not because he's done the wrong thing. His condition now, when it says right here, he is being in jail. So he begins to wonder, wait a minute. Is this the way this is supposed to work out? <laughs> is this the way God pays his friends? I heard a guy say one time, he said, God, if this is the way you treat your friends, no wonder you got so many enemies. <laughs> you know, he's in jail. This is not fun. Uh, this is a terrorizing person of Herod Antipas who killed his own sons, who killed his uh, uh, others, stole his brother's wife. I don't think sometimes we make enough room for this. I think we think sometimes as followers of Jesus, we live in a bubble instead of conditions really having an effect on us. Whether it's a relationship that's fallen apart, or it's health that we suddenly find out we're losing, or if it's a job change, or it's any number of things. We tend to think, well, you know, praise the Lord. What? <laughs> you know? Conditions challenge expectations. If we were, went around this room, I would be willing to say that every one of us have had, had a condition or a situation that challenged us to the core. Partly because, it could be, 
that in the process of our expectations, we've not allowed ourselves to think them through or to ask, what does God promise? What, what, that's, why, that's this question. I've been dragging my feet a little bit because I'm, I'm a little fearful of this question. I'm a little fearful to stand up here and tell you the answer to this because I know people who have completely left their faith because somebody told them they could expect something from God. It didn't happen, and they're done. Right? I'm reading John Meacham's book on Thomas Jefferson. I laughed the other day when Meacham makes this statement about Jefferson. He was incredibly sensitive to slight. He had a vengeful spirit about him, and he wanted to be the center of attention. I'm not saying another word. <laughs> not saying another word. But Meacham tells this story when Thomas Jefferson was 14. He went out into a field one day because he liked school, but he wanted school to be over. And he went out into a field and he prayed that God would cause school to end. Now, Meacham records this because it's in Thomas Jefferson's journal. He prays that school will get over. It doesn't. And here's Jefferson's thoughts, that Orthodox Christianity wasn't all it was put up to be. Now, that's a silly example. But I wonder how Thomas Jefferson's life might have been different. Somebody had just told him, you can't expect that. You don't get to tell God what to do in those terms. Thomas Jefferson, for some accounts, was a very interesting guy in his religious thoughts. So, so the conditions challenge us. People get sick. Marriages fall apart. All these kind of matters happen. And the conditions challenge if our expectation is we're going to get out of it. I've told you before, and, and, and I just say this, John's in jail. This is not fun. This isn't just kind of clap your hands and say everything will be okay. I've been around people enough. I've been a pastor. I've been a professor at school to say to students, look, sometimes you just have to face that your conditions will challenge your expectations. Now, what, you know, what do we do? We, 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 we sometimes have to make a, a, some kind of an adjustment at times to say, are my expectations inaccurate? Is my understanding of this situation wrong? It always reminds me of this little story. There's a little boy that was in his backyard, and you know, he'd got a new baseball bat and a new ball, and so he's in the backyard, and he's throwing the ball up in the air. And just about the time it comes down, he takes a swing at it, and he says this out loud, I'm the greatest hitter in the world, and whiffs it. And uh, so he decides, well, I'll do it. So he, so he gets the ball again and throws it up in the air as high as he can. And he's cocking the bat, getting ready. He goes, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And swing goes right past it. He does this about three or four times. And every time he misses it. And all of a sudden, he stares kind of out into space. And it occurs to him, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> Sometimes we've got to change what we think. Sometimes we've got to say, you know what I've been thinking or what I've been expecting may not, may not be exactly right. And that's a painful experience. John's in that. Now, and I want to I move it now further a little bit here on this. Is that confusion over expectations. Confusion over expectations. I think it's fair to say that John is confused about Jesus. Look at the question. 
Are you him? Or do we look for somebody else? And again, some of you already noted. What, what, had, what had John done? He was the one that, Donna Lisa, he identifies Jesus. Notice here, uh, if you will, there, uh, that, that, that Jesus, uh, go back to chapter 3 in, in Matthew. Go back to chapter 3. This is the guy earlier in this book. Verse, chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee of Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Don't, and yet you come to me. But Jesus answered and said, permit it for this time in the way it may be fitting for all righteousness to be fulfilled. Then he permitted it. And being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him. And behold, the voice of heaven said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Now, this passage here suggests that Jesus, the pronoun he, hears a voice and he sees that it's related to Jesus. But if you go over to John chapter 1, if you go to John chapter 1, you'll discover that John himself says, I was told that he whom you see the Spirit of God descending as a dove, this is him. So John sees this at the baptism. Jesus sees it. In Matthew, he's just recording what Jesus saw. But in John chapter 1, you'll, you'll notice here, get over here, in John chapter 1, where he says, he that sent me to baptize, he that sent me to baptize, said, you'll recognize him, verse 33, in water. So I said, John testified, I have seen the Spirit, descend, verse 32, descending on him as a dove out of heaven and remained on him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. John has not just thought something's true. He's seen something. He has seen the Spirit of God descend as a dove. That's a very difficult one to unpack. As a dove, like you see a bird, or as a dove that the Spirit would descend in some way in a light, gentle way. It's not clear. It's not clear. We, you know, with all the pictures we see, the Holy Spirit is a dove, right? But it says there he's descending as a dove. Is it the idea that it's just this gentle, somehow recognition of the Spirit that uh, comes upon Jesus? Now, th this is fascinating to me because, because John is saying, are you really him? What, what, what's happened here? You know, he's confused about his expectations because the conditions, that's an earlier point we made, have knocked, listen to me now, the certainty out of him. You had that happen yet? You had the certainty knocked out of you? You ever, you ever had... A situation in your life or circumstance where you say, huh, John did. The greatest man that's ever been born of a woman, the man who was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the man who saw the Spirit of God descend on him has had the certainty knocked out of him. It can happen. And when we don't recognize that at times, we fight it to the extent that we think something's wrong with us. Instead of saying, look, let me lean into this 
Let me face this. Let me deal with this and see what happens. You know, I, I've told you this on a couple of occasions, and John here to me is an example. This is staggering to me. If you read the Gospels, this guy is sure as can be that this, this is Jesus. This is the one who's come. And now he's asking, are you really him? My dad, uh, a few years ago, died. I told, you know, I told you this, that, and I've, I shared this with my Bible study again on Friday morning, that I had never been with anybody who died. Uh, usually when I would show up at the hospital, people would always get better. <laughs> no, don't send Cliff. Because <laughs> I'll read a book to him or something, you know. So I never, in all of the ministry, all the years of ministry, I never was with a person who died. Um, uh, again, I was either on the way and they got better or they died while I was on the way, whatever. But my dad and I were together. And I was in the room with him. Never, ever. And I was by myself. Um, for whatever reason, my mom had just come to the point. She said, I just can't bear it. And so I'm in there by myself with my dad. And he and I had been a kind of a simpatico in a lot of ways of, of our lives. And I watched him die. I watched him say the last thing he said to me. And I'd never had that happen before. And it shook me. And for days, I walked around thinking, am I really going to see him again? Am I really? You can talk all you want to to me, you know. But I just watched my dad die. And the life left him. And I can remember for several days driving around thinking, I mean, I know all the passages. I know all the scriptures. But my dad's dead now. It's different, isn't it? When you're in jail. It's different when you face the death of a loved one. And I remember coming to, it didn't come quick. It took several weeks. Of all the theology I've studied and all the stuff I've read, I said this to myself. You know what? I don't, I don't have all the answers because even Paul at times is confusing about exactly the state after death. It's just, you know, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. The other one, the dead in Christ shall rise first. So, you know, it's just, it's a little confusing. But I said this. Um, I don't think Jesus would lie to me. And I trust him. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come and get her see you. That was like an earthquake in my soul. For me to lean into it and not avoid it and not deny it and not laugh about it or not cut up about it or not dismiss it. You know, I, I take some comfort that a guy like John the Baptist was like that and ask some questions. It is, is okay. It is all right. You see, John was confused. Think about it here with me for a second. John was confused. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to look here uh, in, in uh, this, this passage here in Matthew. Go, go back to Matthew 3. John has said, um, hey, are you him? 
My, my experience tells me you have been, but I, I don't know now anymore. And in John or in Matthew chapter 3, John is telling again here, this is, this is what he said. And as for me, I baptize you. And I'm in verse 11. Well, let me, let me start back. Uh, uh, verse 10. This is John preaching. The axe is already laid at the root of the tree. He's speaking of Jesus here. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, I want you to underline that word, fire. The axe, the tree, is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who's coming after me is mightier than I am not fit to remove the sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a translational issue here because I think I can defend this. The word and is the Greek word chi, which is a very fluid term. And the context here causes me to translate it or, not and. Or. Not baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, the Holy Spirit or fire. Watch this. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear the threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. Fire here is an understanding of judgment, not purification. What's he going to do? Cut the tree down and burn it. What's he going to do with the chaff? Unquenchable fire. This, this, this translation here, I think context demands it. Here's what John thinks. Jesus is going to come, and he's either going to baptize you with the Spirit, or he's bringing judgment. Has Jesus been bringing judgment? Huh? No. Look, look here, if you will, at Jesus' response to him. Hey, go tell John what, what, what's been happening here. What, what's been happening in Jesus' ministry there, back at Matthew 11? The blind receive their sight. The lame are walking. The deaf are hearing. The dead are raised from the dead. There's no judgment going on here. This is called supernatural kinds of ministry. John's confused because Jesus isn't cleaning house. Jesus isn't straightening everybody out. Wait a minute. I thought you were going to come in with one group. You know, you'll give them the Holy Spirit. And the other group, you're going to clear the floor. That's what he expected. And Jesus is not doing that. In fact, in Jesus' first great sermon, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's given me, uh, called me to preach the gospel to the poor. The last part of that chapter is out of Isaiah, where in that first sermon in Mark, it should end with, and to bring about the day of vengeance. Jesus doesn't say that. He stops short. See, that's what John thinks, that, that, that this Jesus, he's going to come. Now, there will be judgment someday. Not now. And because Jesus isn't acting the way he expected, what does he think? There's got to be somebody else. See how his expectations affect him in understanding who Jesus is? He's confused over this. He, he is, he's in one sense, if you will, the confusion over the expectation. You're not acting the way I expected. You ever had that happen to you? 
God didn't act the way you expected him to? Yeah, Mary Jane. Ask that again. I'll repeat it for the recording. Yeah. She's asking the question, didn't most of the Jewish people believe what John is saying here, that Jesus is going to come clear the floor? What's he going to do? Drive the Romans out. You know, going to set up a earthly kingdom and everything's going to be back to straight the way it used to be. Yeah, that's what they think. He said, no, that's, that's not my program here. I'm going to baptize with the Holy Spirit or fire, certainly. But those are the two options there. So his expectations of how Jesus is going to act, this is what theologians would say, this is why people miss Jesus. He wasn't going to set up an earthly kingdom. He wasn't going to drive the Romans out. He wasn't going to make things back to what they wanted to be with a David in the kingdom. He came to save humanity from themselves and set up the kingdom of God. And so this, this challenge here, of his expectations. Now, I want to I I move to something here. Is this making sense? His conditions cause him to, to, to have trouble with his expectations. He's challenged with his expectations. And I want to give you one here that over the years, I've, I've, I've tried to work through this of, a, of an expectation. I, now we're going to come back to Matthew. Trust me. Put your finger there, you know, uh, you know, take your glasses off or, you know, put your, I don't know. Go to Hebrews real quick, chapter 11, <clears throat> the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. <clears throat> and look, I, you know, as we're going this way, I'm not trying to get people to drop their expectations. I'm not get, trying to get people to have less expectations. I'm trying to get us to think through, are our expectations reliable? So look here in Hebrews, it's page 1148 in my Bible. Go to chapter 11, very famous, you know, the hall of fame on faith. I just want to draw, I just want to draw your attention to something. That for me over the years has been, been, been sort of fascinating with respect to this idea of expectation. <clears throat> now, Hebrews 11, you know, the hall of fame of faith and, and all of that, and, it, and it's wonderful. And you'll notice here, I'm going to, you know, it talks about Moses and Abraham and, you know, all these, and at verse 32 and 11, there's this uh, interesting movement out of the book when he goes, the writer says in verse 30, and what more shall I say? Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith, now, you might, again, this is going to be the one division right here at verse 33. Mark this as a division here on this. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. I, I, you might want to underline that. Escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong and became mighty in war put army, foreign armies to flight. 35, shift. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release so they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. 
What happened to that first group? They escaped it. These people are put to death by the sword. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins, being destined, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, back at 33, keep going, gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Just hang on to that for a second. Two completely different experiences. And they all, what? Were approved because of their faith. See, here's the expectation that a lot of us have had. I've had it. We've all had it. That faith's going to get me out of problems. It may just get you through them. I don't even like talking about this because I don't want to live this, okay? I don't, I don't want to have to live this. I like to talk about it, discuss it, exegete it. I don't want to live it. I don't like that. But if you notice that there, the writer, I think, is making an intentional statement here to say, don't lose this understanding that all of these gained approval through their faith. They did not receive what was promised you but they still abided in faith. When I read that, <clears throat> it reminds me of something. In Acts chapter 12. I'm sorry, 11. No, yeah, 12. Okay, I got too many notes up here. <clears throat> Acts chapter 12. Remember the story? Early church. <clears throat> Herod decides he's going to kill John. And if you notice... It says in Acts chapter 12, with the sword, <laughs> he killed him. John, the, the, the apostle. I'm, I'm sorry, James. I'm sorry, James, James, James. <clears throat> James, brother of John. One of the apostles, he kills him. And it says in the text that he saw that it pleased the Jews. So he went and got Peter. What's he going to do to him? Kill him. <clears throat> but what happens? An angel <clears throat> comes and do a jailbreak. <clears throat> and he gets out and he goes to a house of people who are praying that he'll get out of jail. This is interesting. <laughs> They're praying that he gets out of jail. And he knocks on the door and a little girl answers it. And she runs back in there to tell all these people praying that he gets out of jail. Peter's at the door and they go, Hallelujah. Does your Bible read different than mine? <laughs> they say, you've lost your mind. He's in jail. We're praying he gets out. But he's at the door. No, it's not possible. No, you don't understand. We're having a prayer meeting here. Have you ever wondered what the family of James thought about all that? Something wrong with James? Didn't pray enough. He wasn't godly enough. On the one hand, everybody's rejoicing and excited because Peter's out. But they just had a funeral because James was killed. See, that's Hebrews 11. There it is right there. 
One, his life is ended with the sword. James. One's life is spared. The writer of Hebrews say, all these having gained approval through their faith. I hate this part of the gospel. I want everybody to be happy, healthy, and born with straight teeth. I want everybody's 401k blowing out the sides. I, I, I want that. I, that's what I want. And, and there are people that tell you that. It's not true. It's historically inaccurate. The life of the church. It's biblically inaccurate. And it's even experientially inaccurate. Some of the most wonderful people I know have had some of the hardest rows, my dad would say, hardest rows to hoe. But they were approved because of their faith. This, this is John. He's, he's just confused. His expectations are not coming through. So watch what Jesus does. Here's the last one. The challenge to our expectations. <clears throat> You know, um, a friend of mine said <clears throat> one time, and I, I, his name is Don, doesn't live here. Um, but he said he's felt like at times that he's had to wrestle more with Jesus than the devil. <laughs> you ever felt that way? Like, what are you doing? I mean, I know what the devil's up to. But what are you doing here? What in the world is going on? Don't you see this opportunity? I, you know, I'm... I'm his agent. I'll say, don't you see this opportunity? You could win a lot of people here. Look, look what Jesus says. Look, he says, look, you go back and you tell John this. I'm not, I'm not acting the way you expected. I'm not bringing the fire. I, I, I'm healing people. I'm, lepers are walking. And he says this. Here, here, here is, if you will, the challenge. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. You ever been mad at God? Because he didn't act the way you wanted him to? You have been uptight, up, up up irritated? You're, you're in good company. The man who was the greatest man born of women, the man who was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, the man who was the forerunner is having a hard time here. And, and, and I want to lean into over the next several weeks to say, wait a minute, what are the expectations that we have that either are helping us or hurting us? Harming us. Jesus said, don't be offended at me when I don't act the way you want me to. I want Jesus to be my pet. I want him to tell him what to do. I want the Lion of Judah to become a kitty cat. <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. Instead of him saying, look, this is my program, not yours. You may not understand it. You may think you've got all kinds of ideas here. I, I've told you the story of Becky before, but it, it, it illustrates this perfectly for me. Uh, back in 2000, it's been 18 years now, thank the Lord, I was finishing up my doctorate. I had gotten word from my committee that, that um, I, they'd, I'd passed, and uh, I'd just before that passed out. And uh, I was almost hospitalized. Uh, and Becky comes home one day to me and says, uh, the doctor wants you to come with me tomorrow. 
Now, I'm usually, I have radar like a bat. I know what's going around me all the time, but I was so consumed with that that I, you know, I just, it didn't register with me. Went to bed, didn't think about it. Went to the doctor the next day, walked in. And when we walked in, I noticed um, somebody walking behind us. And again, I got, I'm a little, and I'm a little paranoid. <laughs> I'm thinking, what are they walking behind me for? So we get in, and then this person comes right in and sits right down by Becky. I thought, what, what, what's going on? And then the, this, this doctor said, Becky, I tried to prepare you yesterday. You have breast cancer. What? What did you just say? He said, your wife has breast cancer, and it's close to an area, and she needs to see a surgeon today. I hadn't, boy, I hadn't heard a doctor talk like that. We're, I mean, it's like getting run by a train. This person, I moved over a little closer, come to find out they're a chaplain, which I thought was a great thing that if people are in such distress, we cried like anybody would. And then I said to this doctor, good guy, still around, I think. I said, that's not what we wanted to hear. Not what we wanted to hear. But, you know, we've been living our whole life to be ready for this moment. And Becky articulated later uh, what I thought was clearly an understanding of expectation. She never said, why did this happen to me? She said, now get a hold of this. Why not? Why not? I mean, why not? What, did I earn some, you know, magic badge to get out of life? Did I, did I, did I, and listen, I, I know this is painful because I know people in this room that have family members that they didn't get well and they didn't get healed. I understand that. All I'm saying is that sometimes Jesus says, look, you don't be offended at me. The Greek word there is really, I love the term in this sense that it's meaningful. It's the Greek word scandalon. It means just don't be scandalized by me. Jesus, you're a scandal in this situation. It's scandalous that you don't respond. It's scandalous that you don't do what we say for you to do. Jesus said it's really not about life. It's about me. I notice there, blessed, makarios is the Greek word uh, to, be, to be envied. It's the same word used in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed or to be envied or to fortunate is he who does not take offense at me. I, I just, I just want to ask you over the next several weeks as we kind of lean into this. Is not trying to make you believe less. I'm trying to help us to believe more accurately. Because again, in my, if this can happen to John, it can happen to you. Or maybe it has happened to you. Or if this can happen to John, it can happen to me or anybody else. No, nobody's, 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 you know. But I'd like to encourage you to think about this. The conditions and the confusion that come here ends with a challenge. Trust me. Trust me. Don't try to manipulate things, Cliff. Don't try to, don't try to manage things. Trust me. 
And that's lots harder, isn't it, than getting things worked out and straightened out. Trust me. Rely on me. Have confidence in me. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make you believe less. I'm not trying to, to think that everything you believe is not true. I'm simply saying this has been, in my judgment, one of the areas in people's lives that causes great harm. Because now all of a sudden, Jesus is scandalized to me now. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. Or somebody told me that he would do. So I just want to ask you to consider this application. It's on your, your handout. There's no blanks here to fill out. What if you were willing to consider that one or some of your expectations of God need some attention? Can you identify one that you think might fit this category? It's an expectation you have. What can you do to give some attention to this? Talk to someone? Investigate the scriptures more carefully? Read a book? I, I don't know. But this matter of what can I expect from God, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. But I want to kind of set the table to say that it could be that some wonderfully smart, godly people like John the Baptist could give us some hope that there's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing, there's nothing, nothing to, don't, don't get freaked out here. He's just like us. We're like him. To know what can we expect? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, you know I approach this with some anxiety and yet with some uh, hope that myself and all of us others can at least discuss these matters and think about them. And consider where there might be some pain and some sorrow and maybe even some anger that we've pushed down or repressed because we thought, well, it's, you're a bad person. No, Lord, help us to know that if this guy, John, could experience this, it might still be okay for us to ask some questions. So help us to be honest with ourselves and with you and to be willing to um, walk this journey. And we just pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen.